Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high performance, innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. And in this episode, we're going to be talking to Merlin, the CTO of a company called Marvia that helps big brands activate local marketing potential. A fascinating individual and fascinating company, one where Merlin has created a great learning environment and culture within the business. So let's not delay, let's get Merlin into the space to share his enlightening stories and knowledge. Welcome Merlin, welcome to CTO Confessions Podcast. Yeah, thanks for uh, for having me. Brilliant. So tell your audience a little bit about yourself. What do you do and who do you work for? Well, I'm uh, Merlin Bruinus. I'm the CTO of uh, Marpia and we're an uh, Amsterdam, Amsterdam-based uh, scale-up. And we have a SaaS platform for local marketing automation. Cool. Yes. Yeah. And um, yeah, because we've had some conversations offline around this. Um, and, and it's quite an interesting solution that your company has. Before we go there, I'd like to just kind of ask you about your journey to your tech leadership position you're in now. How did that go? What was it like? Was it was it like a baptism of fire or was it more gentle? <laughs> well, uh, to explain that, we have to go a little bit back in time uh i can tell you a little bit about the history of marfia well in in 2007 uh, marfia was a startup and they had a web to uh, print solution and uh it was a very good startup and in 2014 uh, marfia was acquired by uh, postnl the largest postal delivery company in the netherlands wow and uh funny fact at that time uh my brother Pim Bruinus was the CTO of uh, Marfia. And during the uh, acquisition, uh, they didn't take a look, a very good look at the source code. So when they uh, tried to to expand the application and develop on it, uh, actually it wasn't possible to uh, rewrite the code base of the application to to another framework, to the PHP uh, Symfony framework. And yes. at that time, I was uh, was self-employed, and I had my own customers. Uh, I did my own website projects, and on the side, one day in a week, uh, later two days in a week, I worked uh, at the Marfia project. Yeah. And uh, for my own customers, uh, yeah, I was developing a lot of features, but a lot of fe- the same features. So I felt the need uh, to have my own framework where I could build features on a modular base and reuse them. Yeah. And uh, well, that, fe- that framework, uh, I named it uh, the MRB framework, cool. the Mr. B framework. <laughs> yeah. It's one of my nicknames and the B refers to my last name. Cool. Uh, so I was developing that framework and Marfia uh, was interested in it uh, as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we made a deal. They uh, used my framework for their customers, and I got a monthly fee per customer. So that was uh, that was uh, quite nice. And then my brother uh, decided to leave the company for a startup, uh, Sudir Snell. And um, yeah, Marfia asked me to uh, 
to come on the payroll. Yeah. So I gave up the deal I had with them and I came on the payroll and uh, yeah, I became the new CTO. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah that was really nice. Uh, and then in 2018, uh, PostNL was still the mother company. Uh, yeah, they had another vision uh, for the future than we had with Marfia. Uh, the current the CEO did back then, Hugh Donders and uh, me. Uh, so we got a chance to do uh, a management buyout and uh, oh, take wow. back control of Marfia. Yes. Uh, so we did that in 2016. Uh, at the time, we were with six people. And now uh, yeah, we're all, we're almost with uh, with twenty people. Wow. Okay. So you're growing. That's quite interesting. Right. You had a you had a business buyback as well. So in yeah. terms of um, Marvia, what what do, what do Marvia do then? Because you mentioned about the local marketing. What's the what's the platform do? Yeah, we help uh, companies with a brand with their local uh, local marketing, and uh, with with our platform, they can activate their local marketing potential. And uh, the platform also uh, helps with uh, digital asset management, the DOM. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we have about 80,000 users worldwide. And, um, yeah, most of the customers are companies with a brand that work with uh, yeah, local franchisers, teams, branches, partners, resellers, you name it. Excellent. And, yeah, for example, um, Domino's Pizzas pizza company maybe you know it yes yeah uh, totally <laughs> big fan yeah. <laughs> well every developer need the uh, no uh, knows uh, a pizza company yeah so uh yeah they need to deliver a constant uh, consistent brand message um but they want to give the local branches the freedom to create their own marketing materials but yeah. within the guidelines of the brands and uh yeah with our platform they can do it brilliant okay and, I, I, uh, so that's, I guess I'm trying to build up a picture in my head. It's kind of, uh, so when they're sending out flyers or leaflets or kind of local advertising to their kind of, maybe their website and so it's kind of tailoring it to certain deals that they have or something like that. Yeah, it is. It is. So for example, the flyer you named, um, the head office has a few uh, um, uh, actions uh, a branch can use but they can choose for themselves which uh, action they want to put on the flyer yes and also the the, the product prices and uh, that kind of stuff and with our tool it's possible to automatically uh, put in the opening hours and the addresses and that uh, yeah of the branch yeah I, I, I like this because it allows the local uh, shops uh, to kind of follow the rule the guardrail of their brand but also to yeah. be agile in what they do locally, you know? Yeah. Um, and that exactly. kind of, yeah, and that allows them to adapt to changes, certain events, maybe, what have you. Yeah, that's quite an, that's quite an interesting, uh, very, you know, having control, but not too much control. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Within the guidelines. Within the guidelines. Yeah. <laughs> and, and one of the things that in our previous conversations, you talked about being kind of like a full on techie, you know, you were like, you were like, like tapping away, doing your kind of code and, and this was your kind of baby and you had to go, yeah. go of your baby. Uh, describe that journey as you, as you kind of, the teams grew and you had to kind of delegate out. Yeah, you named it well. The, the system, the framework uh, is really my baby or it was really my baby and uh, it was quite difficult to let that go. So in the beginning, I was the only developer that was working in that system. But at a certain point, uh, I had to let other developers in 
and I was checking their code every evening <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah to see if they didn't do anything wrong yeah uh, so that was that was a big step and a big learning moment um, yeah sometimes you have to let, let things things go and focus on new things so I, I guess that transition I mean on a scale of one to ten how painful was that was ten being like absolute torture uh, and and one being hey whatever how was that <laughs> I think, uh, well, not the 10, but yeah, certainly the, the 8, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what would your advice to, for tech leaders out there that are kind of following a similar path to yourself where you're having to let go, you know? Because I, I, being a developer myself, when I was, you know, you know, your code becomes your thing, you know, as you could call it, our baby. Um, what tips would you, you know, now that you've gone through it, what would your tips be to other tech leaders? Yeah, you have to let it go as early as possible because when I look back at that time, uh, the system only got better and I got a lot of input from the other developers and the improvements. Uh, so in the end, it's a win-win, but yes. uh, you have to take that step. Yeah, you have to kind of pull off the plaster. You know, like when you kind of pull off the plaster very slowly, it kind of hurts. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Tear it off, tear that baby off, you know. Um, and, and in terms of yourself, um, Merlin, what's your passion? What gets you out of bed in the morning? What what, what really rocks your boat? Li literally, as we were talking before this, you've actually got a boat outside your house, <laughs> yeah. which is quite interesting. <laughs> well, my boat, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, building uh, uh, the company, so building Marfia. And uh, to do that, I have to be good at my role as CTO. Does, so that uh, involves not only uh, the code base, but also the team and what i'm passionate about is yeah building and maintaining uh, the highly scalable and stable and high performing uh platform that's yeah. yeah that's what i love to do yeah and also um yeah st stay up to date with the latest latest uh, technologies yeah uh yeah getting the most out of team help my team members uh, see uh, see them grow in their performance uh, but also uh, improving myself. I try to improve myself uh, every day, every week, uh, and also learn from others. Brilliant. Yeah. So it's a kind of continuous learning across the across the kind of spectrum, um, which kind of brings me on to kind of the technology that you're using. Um, what, what's the solution? Are you are you in the cloud? Um, what, what what's your stack look like? Yeah, our stack is uh, is hosted at uh, AWS. Um, uh, it's running on PHP and uh, Symfony, and uh, and and on top of that, my own framework. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we try to use and benefit from all the solutions that AWS has to offer. Yeah. I think they bring out uh, like sixty features every month. Wow, that's that's a good read every month. Then really. It is, it is. And I missed a lot of them, but uh, uh, yeah. yeah, they're very useful. So, for yeah. example, we have built features and uh, yeah, AWS already built them. So we could have used their feature instead right. of building it by our own. And in terms of the challenges you're facing within your industry, or rather your product, what, what kind of challenges have you got there? Well, the challenges for me are mostly on the code base because uh, last year we started to uh, migrate the front end to uh, to react 
but the largest part of the platform is still in PHP and Symfony. So mm. the challenge is to uh, combine those those two and let them work together. Yeah, yeah. And and moving from the old way of doing things towards React, um, what's your strategy that's working for you? Or what, rather, what's the strategy that didn't work and now is working for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, what didn't work? Um, yeah, we, we learned by doing. So we, we, we had some setbacks, but we needed them to uh, get where we are at the moment. And for me personal, uh, I'm, I'm not a React developer. So I started the system, mm. but uh, I'm not developing in React. So yeah. my team is developing, part of the team is developing in React. And that's also where, again, the letting things go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have to rely on them and trust them. And uh, yeah, that works out very well. Um, yeah. I can imagine there's lots of data as well as part of this kind of platform and the, and the customers you deal with. Um, how are you dealing with that data? Are you kind of drowning in it? Or how are you using the data? Yeah, that's quite interesting because we were drowning in it and uh, we, we were we stored we store everything in a MySQL database, yeah. but it was uh, expanding too too fast. Uh, so we migrated uh, the the logging data to uh, a MongoDB database. Yeah, uh, and yeah, the data is quite interesting. Uh, we can use it for a dashboard and uh, to see uh, ROEs and that kind of uh, things, which are which is quite interesting for the marketeers. And the data that you collected this kind of large pool of data that you have. Um, I kind of think of the word that's kind of buzzing around in the market at the moment, which is AI and ML. How's that working for you? Is that something you're looking at? Yeah, that's quite interesting. We're um, discovering it at the moment. Uh, but what is interesting is uh, the prediction of orders in our system uh, uh, with the help of AI and machine learning. In our platform, uh, a branch can store its DNA. Uh, for example, the type and amount of flyers they would like to order for a campaign uh, or the distribution areas. And with this data um, and the orders they have already done in previous uh, campaigns, uh, we can predict and suggest uh, the coming upcoming orders for the upcoming campaigns. Yes. That's, that's quite interesting. And if you take it one step further, uh, you can automatically order for them. And, oh, wow. Uh, this can be a very powerful feature with a win-win scenario. Yeah. So you have more orders and less work. <laughs> hey, yeah. I like that. It's a good win-win. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, you know, I can imagine that data kind of gives you stuff. I, I have to confess I'm not a data engineer myself. I tend to get... Uh, my, my eyes go cross-eyed and uh, I tend to start to uh, get really kind of uh, anxiety when I get too much data, uh, though I do see the value in that. And, and it looks like you're kind of working to kind of uh, create the, the best benefit from that. Mm -hmm. Coming on to your leadership, Merlin, um, what, what's your leadership style like? What are you like as a leader? What I like, uh, yeah, personally, I'm very hands-on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Love it. <laughs> So uh, just start going and see where we end. Uh, but of course, we have to work with a pattern. So we work with uh, Scrum. Yep. Uh, and we do Scrum uh, two weeks with uh, scheduled development and uh, one week uh, to work on the outcome of the review. 
right. for, from the features we developed in the first two weeks uh, yeah to really build uh, the a quality features yeah and the rest of the week uh, the team uh, can work on their own research yes and, um at the end of that week we we close the week with an academy the, the mrb academy cool. <laughs> and let all the team members present what they have uh, yeah what they have learned and we we see if if Morphia can benefit from it and wow. if we can use uh, use one of those uh, researches that's that's quite uh uh i'd kind of describe it as extreme continuous learning you've really kind of injected that into your uh your development cycle life cycle i guess yeah and uh yeah uh i introduce it because i can't keep up with innovation at my own. I need more eyes for it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's um so that's kind of taking leadership to another level. It's delegating not only the work and responsibility of that but also the learning of it. And I guess um it makes your learning easier as well. You're kind of getting a, you know, the, your people are your um I don't know, kind of satellites picking up what what's new, what's going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and I'm yeah I'm an open leader. I like to give uh, direct feedback, and I like to uh, get direct fee- feedback back as well. Yeah, and that's something the team has to uh, get used to. <laughs> yeah, that, and is that something that you found kind of natural, or is this something that you've had to learn uh, to uh, instill in others, and also to kind of handle it yourself? You know, your own kind yeah. of. Yeah, I really had to learn that, and uh, in the past I didn't didn't give direct feedback and yeah a lot of time uh, issues or things uh, escalated then oh wow if you, if you give the direct feedback uh, you yeah the other party can do something with it yes and uh, that's also the win-win you both benefit uh, from it but i i noticed that it's difficult for my team to give the direct feedback uh, back to me yeah so I, I encourage them to do that yeah that's <laughs> good it's, yeah it's a it's a learning process yeah <laughs> hey, w- one of the things as you described that is is that i used to take things very personally some might say i still take things very personally <laughs> yeah. um how did you overcome that as a leader because obviously being in a position of leader it kind of gives you uh, an, a, a level of um, authority and uh, ability to kind of retort maybe at uh, certain feedback is that something what's your kind of advice to other leaders out there to kind of overcome that Yeah, you have to stay uh, uh on a yeah, you you're on a professional base discussing things with each other and uh sometimes it can heat up. Um uh, but it's not pers- <laughs> it, it's not personal. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's a difficult thing. I had discussions with some of my team members and uh afterwards we send each other a text message on oh it's it's all okay, right? Yeah, yes. it's all okay. Oh yes. good. Yeah. That's right. But and now actually I like those discussions. Yes, that's. I, I guess if you kind of design them uh, beforehand, knowing that you're the, that the temperature might go up, you know, um, that we are going to have a kind of uh, a a constructive conflict around some ideas, uh, you're able to then navigate that kind of heat. It's almost like in meetings, you know, when you have these discussions. If you had a a gas um, a cooker kind of dial, you know, where you can turn down the heat if need be, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> that'd be handy, <laughs> wouldn't it? You know, let's turn it down a few notches. Um, but I, I think it kind of speaks to the book Five Dysfunctions, where you know fear of conflict is something that holds back organizations and mm-hmm. leadership. So facing that is, I, is very important. I didn't read the book, but it sounds interesting. Yeah, it's a really yeah. good book, actually. It's uh, 
is one that I uh, uh, align with the kind of the agile uh, principles and values. Um, uh, yeah. and, and in terms of your teams and getting the most out of your teams, you've kind of described some of the things that you do to kind of make that happen. Um, what's your strategy around getting creating high-performing teams? Yes, well, uh, I work a lot with uh, with interns. Uh, I really like uh, working with them because you have the time to uh, uh, yeah, get to know each other. And I work with students that are in the last year of their study. So when we uh, have the connection, the click, uh, I can offer them an, a contract. Yes. So we're building the team uh, around young developers and interns. And um, yeah, we're now at the point uh, of expanding the team where I need somebody uh, beside me. Yes. <laughs> a senior, senior with a more leader, leadership uh, role. Yeah. Uh, to help me with the day-to-day -day operations of the team um, and to get my hands free to do uh, other, other things. Brilliant. And, and when you work with these interns, I can't imagine that's um, that has a lot of benefits. I know I know companies that have made a real success of this. Um, it's building up their skills, but also knowing that they fit, they fit the team. You know, attitude. Yeah, that's even. I think that's even more, almost more important than uh, the skill somebody has. If you yeah. have a, a good connection and somebody has the potential, and with interns. You have the time to discover somebody's uh, potential. Yeah, and uh, that's more valuable than uh, than a very good uh, uh, programmer, but yes. who doesn't fit in the team. Yes, and, and I guess also uh, with these interns, you can see which way they're going to be stronger. Some people are just naturally more, uh, you know, have have skills in different areas. It's not all always about development, uh, but it helps them kind of it helps you find the right people for what you need. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And let's talk about the big fat elephant uh, in the room, which is in the shape of a COVID virus. How, how have you found kind of leading through that? <laughs> well, at the beginning, it was it was difficult, but I've noticed that uh, yeah, every team member has found their way around to uh, to work from from home. Uh, well, from from Marfia, we we provide them with everything they need, like. Uh, a desk or screens or whatever they need we yeah. give it to them and uh, yeah we have a weekly call the team call team update and once in a month it's a serious team update about the company yeah <laughs> but the other three times it's just chit chat about yeah how was your week how are you feeling um, yeah those kind of uh, uh, topics yes and uh, yeah we're Actually, we're taking it one step further and um, we let the, the, the working hours go and even the working location. And that's something we are going to do uh, in the future as well. Yeah. So if somebody performs better in the morning, he can work in the morning and, and take, the, take the noon off or in the evening or in the weekends. That's up to them or they yeah. want to work in another country or yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's that's pretty cool, actually. A very enlightened yeah. approach to to people. You know, I I, I, um, I do like that idea of, especially. I, I have this image of somebody deciding, do you know what, I'm gonna go to Jamaica and do my coding on the on the on a beach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Um, as long as you've got a good internet <laughs> connection. Um, yeah, I, I think think this is in this new day and age. Uh, you know, having that flexibility for work people and. 
you make a really interesting point there around uh, people working at best at different times of the day. So what time of the day do you work best? <laughs> well, I was really an evening uh, programmer. Yeah. <laughs> but now I'm, I'm uh, more a morning people. Yes. So I'm more focused in the morning. I get up at six and uh, start working. That's yeah. also because I have two children and before they wake up, I can do a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's for me the best time to perform. Yes. And I find it quite interesting, actually, the, the point that you've made here gets me thinking about mine. I tend to vary between sometimes mornings are perfect and sometimes evenings are perfect. I seem to be kind of like an owl, an, an owl sometimes, and then a kind of morning person other times, you know? So, so maybe yeah. you need to kind of practice just doing one. I don't know. You know? Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, you have to uh, find out for yourself. Yeah. So I try to, um, Actually, I tried to develop in the afternoon and I tried to develop in the morning. And the conclusion was that my performance was much higher in the morning. Yes. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's, that's a really good point, actually. Because some sometimes as leaders and as people in organizations, we don't see how these little things can make a big difference, you know? Yeah, they can really make a big difference. Yeah. yeah. And having that ability for people to adapt uh, like for example, I've got a 13 year old daughter at the moment, and she is definitely not a morning person. I don't think teenagers <laughs> no. are generally, you know. So you're not <laughs> going to get the best out of them. So just kind of let that go and, and let them kind of thrive in the time that you know that they're going to be more aw awake and with us, you know. Um, yeah, and and also team members uh, they go for a walk or for a, a running in the morning after the stand up. They say, yeah, well, between yeah. eleven and uh, one o'clock, I'm uh, I'm running. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. And they work. They work in the evening. So yeah, that's that, that's fine that's by me. I, I can see. Um, I can really see the benefits of that. I mean, I could talk about this subject for like hours because I'm the same. You know, if I need to go for a run at ten o'clock, you know, then that's the best time for me to go to run. Yeah. You know, it is. It will benefit the organisation. The return on investment of allowing people to do that is just uh, endless. Um, and I'm going to ask you a really odd question now, Merlin. Okay, I'm going to ask you a really <laughs> odd question. Yeah. What keeps you up at night in terms of your role as a as a leader? <laughs> um, yeah, I always have uh, brainwaves. <laughs> well, in the early days, what kept me up at night were the surfers. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, maintaining the surfers. Uh, it's not my core business, uh, and it went fine uh, until we got more and bigger customers. So when uh, PostNL signed up, uh, it was a turning point. And we hired a company uh, to help us maintain uh, the servers. Yeah. <laughs> and that also that was a learning experience um, to let it go. Yeah. Yeah, one other thing are, are the brainwaves. I still have them. <laughs> <laughs> so I right. wake up at night with an idea and I have to write it down. And uh, uh, yeah, in my past life, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. jumped out of bed and start uh, coding or doing something with it. And, yeah. uh, and now I have to write it down and sometimes hand it over to the team. Yeah. So in the morning when I uh, say that in the stand-up, hey guys, I had a, a brainwave last night. <laughs> They're all like, oh no, here we go again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you, but, maybe you could reframe that as like, I had a dream. I had a dream. Yeah, yeah. I want to I tell you about dream. my dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But the beautiful thing about it is that the team is adopting it as well. And sometimes at night, I receive a text message from a team member yeah. with a brainwave. Oh, wow. And well, yeah, that actually makes me proud. And again, this is this is an interesting point here by 
Um, I don't know if you've read Brené Brown's book, uh, kind of Dare to Lead. Have you read read that one at all? No. And no. she ta- she talks about being vulnerable. You know, so as leaders, by being vulnerable, by sharing what we are experiencing, what we do, and this isn't around vulnerability, but it's sharing what you do. It inspires other people to do the same thing as well. You know, yeah. so what we think is a completely crazy idea, which I don't think it is. Um, it allows <laughs> other people to go. Do you know what? I'm going to try that as well. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I like this idea. Yeah, and also yeah um, about fuck ups. <laughs> we uh, we encourage uh, people to tell about their fuck up. Oh, I love it! Yeah, I love <laughs> in, it in the meeting. And that's all. Yeah, that's a funny part of the meeting. <laughs> yes, and it brings humor to it as well. As soon as you said the word there, I was like, you know, sometimes we try to be too professional and try and get everything right, and and they are. They happen. It's part of life, you know. Yeah, and everybody makes mistakes. Yeah, and, and it's just, fine as long as you learn from it. Learn from it exactly. Yeah. As we kind of come towards the end of our kind of time together, the podcast, what what are the books that you would recommend to other tech leaders out there? Yeah, well, for tech leaders, uh, the la- one of the last books I've read is No Rules Rule from uh, Reed Hastings from Netflix. Cool. And it's, yeah, it's all about letting go of the rules. And uh, yeah, I love that idea. Uh, <laughs> the reality yeah. is that you can't do it overnight. <laughs> it's yes. a process and we're trying to start that process uh, yeah. at Marfia. So that's very inspiring. Uh, what also inspired me was uh, the 5 a.m. Club by Robin Sharma. I don't know oh, if yes. you know that book. Yes. Uh, 5 a.m. is a little bit too ambitious for me <laughs> but i try to get up at uh, 6 a.m and and read a book or work on things for myself um, that works really well for me yeah and the book i'm reading at the moment is uh, grip it's a dutch book uh from the head of product of blendel and it's uh about giving your work week uh, more structure so uh yeah your agenda is the center of your tasks. Everything comes out of your agenda. So you schedule everything there. And uh, yeah, Mate, you perform. I, yes. It, it helps you perform better. Yeah. Brilliant. I, I think that one really kind of, uh, I, you know, when you kind of sense something means something to you, I think that book is something I need, you know. And, and coming back to the 5am club, I did actually try that recently and uh, it didn't quite work out for me. Five o'clock was a bridge too far for me, you know. It was, yeah. uh, I, I had to kind of tone it down. Six o'clock is more my kind of time, but um, I think you can do. It's like anything. If you persevere, you can adjust it. It's it's maybe <laughs> let, Nest Netflix later in the evening. And, and yeah, now it, it has to become a habit, a habit. So uh, what he describes, it's, it takes 11 days days to become a habit and 30 days to really be a habit Yeah, uh, to get up early. There so, we go. Uh, so may, maybe maybe three months from now, maybe even a month from now, uh, Merlin, we can catch up with each other and see if we've managed that 5 a.m. Yeah, yeah let's show. do that. <laughs> let's see if we can do it, okay? We'll hold each other accountable. And yeah. um, and. Kind of reflecting back on your journey as a tech leader, what advice would you give to other aspiring tech leaders out there, the ones that want to be in your position? What would your advice be to them? Yeah, well, I had a quite long uh, journey towards where I am at the moment. Uh, I think it could have gone faster if I uh, asked more for help from other people or other CTOs. That's that. So that's an advice I would give uh, to the community. Always keep innovating always keep learning um listen to your team 
encourage a strong feedback loop. Yeah. Um, yeah, take risk as an entrepreneur. You have to take risk. Sometimes you fall and sometimes you climb. Yes. And um, yeah, think out of the box. Think big. Think big. I love it. Yeah. I love yeah. that. It, it reminds me of uh, Richard Branson's book, Screw It, Let's Do It, you know, kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Just just go for it. It's a really, if anybody hasn't read that, it's a really small book, very easy to read. And uh, it, it is quite inspiring. It just shows you how somebody's uh, mindset can really kind of create a lot of opportunities for success. Yeah. And also read a lot of books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know if the audience can't see it here, but I've got uh, the, the great library behind me and in front of me here. You know, I so. can see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I think that's right. Reading. I, I always think of books. I mean, what's your perspective on books? I, I, I have a particular perspective on when I pick up a book. I mean, what, what do you what do you what's the kind of mindset you have when you pick up uh, somebody's uh, great work? Yeah, I love it. Uh, also, yeah, the fact of reading a book, it's, uh, yeah, you can, hmm, I don't know how to say it. <laughs> uh, I, I like it more than listening to a podcast, for example. <laughs> yes, yeah. It, there's something in that kind of black and white that allows you to um, imagine and, and kind of fit your um, yeah. yeah, there's something around kind of fitting fitting into your world, you know? Um, exactly. I mean, the way, because I, I aspire to write a book, have you written a book yourself, Merlin? No, but I always have the idea to write a book. Yeah. <laughs> and it would, I already have a title for it. Go on then, what is it? Hands on with Mr. B. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And, yeah. And um, and what, what's the kind of uh, the the subject, the the theme of the book what's the what's the outcome that you want to give from that book yeah i want to help other people in their journey to yeah. succeed in life but or uh professionally or private uh yeah yeah they're both just as important aren't they um exactly. so let, let's see let's say in, in a month's time then you'll have written that book yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> those five aims are gonna work i'm only joking uh, <laughs> Uh, but but when I when I'll I see, let you know, <laughs> yeah, that's right. So when I see books, I mean, I, I have to confess, you know, somebody's put their heart and soul into that, and to me, it's that gift. I'm, I'm receiving a gift from the author, you know, and uh, so I, I have a very kind of passionate approach, and I also write the intention of why I'm reading a book at the beginning of the book. You know, this is my intention. This is what I would like to receive. So it reminds me, uh, especially when you're reading big fat books like Obama's. Um, <laughs> uh, the Promised Land, which is like War and Peace, uh, but yeah. it's a really good book, and I have to keep reminding myself why. <laughs> why you're reading it? Why yeah. reading. Brilliant. <laughs> and um, and here you go. Here's another uh, odd question for you. Okay, I'm going to be pretend to be the tech genie. Okay, I'm going to offer you a wish for yourself, your leadership, your teams, or even your industry. What wish would you make? Oh, what wish. Um, yeah, work together, um, develop together in one console, like a video game. So with your whole team, uh, yeah, like like the, the Google Docs. Yes. You can type together and don't take it one step further. And wow. Build beautiful software that way. Yeah, it's a super collaborative, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Coming yeah. together. 
Well, actually, that reminds me of a game because I'm a big gamer myself, you know. And um, and one of the things that I love watching in games, that even when you're not communicating with each other, how people turn, teams seem to come and uh, jump into a state of flow around the way they're playing together. Even though you're not exactly. talking, yeah. you kind of know. And if it was as fun as playing a computer game, man, I would be developing like there is no tomorrow, you know? Well, that would be beautiful, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let, let, I, I want to I make that wish come true for you. So I'll see what I can yeah. do. Okay. okay, great. <laughs> and and finally, a lot, your last word on the key takeaway for the tech community, those men and women out there leading in technology, what would your key takeaway be for them? Yeah, learn by doing. Uh, I always do that. And uh, also with uh, our development flow, uh, we have a word for it, re-row. It's release early, release often. And it's not always the best way, but uh, yeah, we learn a lot by following, doing it this way. That's great. um, Yeah, also wins are also in the small things you do. we call them the quick wins uh, and you can really help you and your customers with small efforts. Uh, sometimes you think uh, too difficult about things. You have yeah. to take one step back and uh, you can all also benefit from it. Brilliant. Yeah. I, I love that small wins because it feels good as well. You know, it kind of mm-hmm. stro- strokes that kind of uh, uh, the, uh, the part of you that needs to be stroked every now and then, you know, to feel good about what you're doing, you know, to get those wins. Yes. So thank you for your time, Merlin. It's been very insightful and it's great to see uh, what a wonderful company you're, you're kind of working with. Uh, I love the idea of being able to work anywhere in the world, you know. Um, yeah. I just love that, you know. Uh, I can just see myself with my pina colada on uh, <laughs> in a nice sunny location. Um, so thank you again. I look forward to hearing more about your company and how your leadership going. And of course, not to forget your 5 a.m. start in the morning and I will let you know. <laughs> and your book. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. Well, I loved hearing about Merlin's journey and what Marvia do. On the business front, Marvia's platform adds agility to the local branches of big brands, while ensuring that brand's image and integrity are maintained. Great idea for the forward-facing arms of big companies. I also appreciated Merlin's journey of becoming a tech leader, the lessons he learned and the tips he shared for other tech leaders out there. Especially the bit about letting go. Transitioning from a techie to a tech leader is a challenging endeavour. Most techies I know are passionate about coding and about creating elegant software and solutions. So I can imagine that paradigm shift in the work that you have to do is quite a learning curve. Merlin's efforts to abstract himself away from the day-to-day coding and to focus on the leadership arena, I imagine it was hard. And it's also important that leaders get the balance right. The words from the musical Frozen reverberate in my head. Let it go, let it go. Yes, becoming a tech leader means letting it go. Anyway, before I start singing again, let's get to my key takeaways from the podcast. Firstly, it's how large brands can conduct marketing with a local flavour while maintaining their brand integrity. Secondly, creating a learning organisation that becomes a win for the business and a win for the people. Thirdly and finally, as mentioned previously, The challenges of transitioning from software development to tech leader, letting go of one's baby. So thank you, Merlin. Well done to you and your team for creating a great platform that helps brands market locally while maintaining the integrity of their brands. Good luck to you all in the future. And finally, 
Remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Labs services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.